Welcome to Next CLT. Next CLT is a business development initiative that focuses on strengthening companies owned by black indigenous people of color in Charlotte. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Next CLT podcast. Today I have the benefit of having Reginald Bean. He's an inspirational leader, an effective storyteller. He's had a magnificent career in many ways. He currently serves as founder and managing director for White Label Group. And he also sits on the board of Next CLT. Reggie, welcome. Hey, Eric, thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here today. Reggie, you sit on several boards and, you know, you've been working in industry, many different industries for many years. Tell us about your career journey to becoming CEO of White Label Management Group. Well, that's uh, I'm not sure that we have enough time for that journey, Eric, but I'll try to summarize it. Uh, like you mentioned, I've served in many different industries, some of the some of the world's largest organizations. And I'll tell you, I was always afforded the opportunity to be an entrepreneur within those organizations, meaning I, I had a chance to to explore uh, gaps in the marketplace or build new functions, build new divisions. And so I, 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 over time, over time, I've learned how to build and work that muscle. And so, you know, I saw an interesting gap in the marketplace uh, when I decided to start white label management, uh, primarily from a, a, a staffing of underrepresented talent as well as workforce development. And so I decided when I decided to transition, that was that was going to be the area that 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 I or the problem that I was going to solve, really the inefficiency and ineffectiveness of those markets. But but to answer your question more specifically, I was always afforded the opportunity to be an entrepreneur. Uh, to see gaps in the marketplace and to really put plans together to really capitalize on those opportunities. You know, having the opportunity to work with all those Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies in many different industries and sitting on boards and now running your own company, what's the most important things you've, you've learned as a CEO? You know, I, I would say the most important thing that I have learned as a CEO, I knew this, but it becomes more evident, more evident now that I'm running a business, is the 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 unique ability to listen. And that listening to your customers, listening to market trends, uh, listening to your your teammates and, and folks that you're working with. Uh, but the ability to listen has become much more important for me as I'm leading an organization. Wow, that's pretty interesting, uh, the ability to listen. It's one of those skills that we don't always uh, think of as, you know, so high on the level of uh, criticality. But yeah, you're saying as a CEO, that's probably one of the most uh, critical skills that you need to uh, keep and know. Absolutely. Um, you know, we all bring different skills and abilities to the table, but, you know, we have these uh, presumptions on what problems we're trying to solve before we actually listen to, you know, who our clients or customers are, you know, we can come in with a, and go off on the wrong, on the wrong tangent and really spending resources when we don't need to. And so, but yeah, listening has become one of the most important skills that I've had to work to develop even more uh, over time. Thanks for sharing that. What changed for your company 
during COVID and how have you adapted to the post-COVID lockdown world? You know, one of the things that 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 changed during COVID, well, first, you know, because we're in the people business, you know, market trends change substantially. And so we had to really lean in and focus on, you know, who the core customers are, what their problems were, because, you know, we have been working on, you know, trend data that was, you know, two years, you know, two, had a two-year lag because, again, trends are, you know, lag, lagging data lagging indicators. And so we were working on data that was outdated. So we had to work extremely hard to understand what the new, what the new model was, what, you know, what the pandemic, how the pandemic had impacted certain businesses, you know, as businesses were shifting their labor model, we had to understand how they were shifting and shift with them. And so, you know, then it became, you know, we, we became much more closely intertwined with our customers as we were all kind of, we were all kind of flying blindly trying to solve a problem that we didn't really have full understanding of, right? And so, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, I'm a, I'm a data person. You know, I'm a, I let data lead us in our business or trends lead us in our business. Well, there was no trend. There was no trend of data during the pandemic. I mean, you know, we're, we're working off of week trends versus year yearly trends. And so just, you know, we had to really lean in, be authentic, you know, bring provide solutions and listen, but we were all blind during the pandemic, but we were all trying to solve problems that we didn't know really, was this a two week? Was this a two month? None of us, I don't think any of us saw two, two plus years being in a pandemic. Yeah, that's uh, pretty interesting. So, uh, and that shift, you said listening again, and I and let me tie that in. You sit on several boards, Next CLT being one of them, Samaritan's Feet being one of them, and several others. Uh, my brother's keepers. Just thinking about it, you're one of the key developers of Next CLT's mentorship program. Why is mentorship program important, and who are your mentors? Well, so if I take the first part of that question, why mentorship is important, right? I, I think mentorship is important because, you know, the, the a mentor can help you either think through or identify opportunities that you may you may be blind to, right? So a mentor can not necessarily give you the answers, but really help you see, help you see things differently. And so I, I think that's important just as a business leader, or excuse me, just as a leader. But particularly as a business leader or business owner, you know, having somebody who may be a few steps ahead of you, uh, not necessarily from an age or, or stage standpoint, but just from an experience standpoint, but somebody who's who's done what you're trying to do or been where you're trying to go for them to offer a perspective uh, to help you navigate, I think is extremely important. And, but 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 the second part of that question, why next CLT? You know, I think about some of the uh, mobility or economic mobility challenges that uh, underrepresented business owners uh, face, right? So owners of color, uh, women owners, just uh, underrepresented owners that they face, you know, oftentimes we suffer not from a lack of talent or ambition. I think we often suffer from a lack of information and then access to be able to compete uh, for those opportunities, right? And so if information is one of the things that we're missing, having a mentor that can help us either provide us the information or guide us to the information, I think is extremely important. When you look at for mentors, who are the type of mentors you look for? 
Yeah, I look for people who have been where I am trying to go to. Um, and so, you know, and th- that's a pretty broad answer. So if I'm looking for a mentor uh, from an entre- from an entrepreneur or business owner, I'm going to try to find somebody who's done what, what it is that I'm trying to do, right? There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing more uh, discouraging to, than somebody giving you advice on something that they've not done yet. And so I try to find people who have done what I'm attempting to do, um, and, and specifically from from an entrepreneurship standpoint. But then there's other mentors that I have that, again, if I want to be a you know a better father, or I want to be a better community leader, or I want to be a better whatever, fill in the blank. I try to find people who have been successful at what it is that I'm trying to do. I uh, try to do. Um, but but that mentorship relationship is really a two way street because although I'm I'm asking for advice, I'm also bringing something to the table and I'm presenting that as you know how can I help add value to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. But you know I look at some of the folks that you know whether it's a you know for, I'm not sure how broad your podcast is, um, but you know a Stick Williams here and and you know community leader business leader. You know, you know, leader in the philanthropic space. Stick has been a long time mentor. Uh, Kevin Henry's long time mentor. Um, and, I mean, but you know, my list, my list would change and vary just in different stages of life. But those are two of the folks that come that that are top of mind. Well, you know, thanks for sharing. Um, you know, you also, as you mentioned, as a father, etc. Why do you? look at boards as a way to build your or give back you know why why boards yes i look at boards and really through two filters um i look at boards where that you know boards that have a mission that personally aligns with my personal values and mission like a like a a next cot or a uh my brother's keeper those are those are those personally align with my values. But then I look to boards to say, well, where are the areas that I've not been exposed to in life that I can that I can that I can educate myself or grow my awareness or understanding through participation in the board? And so I look at, you know, what are the things that align with me personally, my personal values, but then I look at where are the areas that I can grow. And so those are the two filters that I choose that I decide when I when I when I'm offered or extended the invitation to come to a board, does it align with me personally? Or is this an area of my life that I've just not been exposed to that I can stand to learn from? Personal value or growth and growth potential. As you look at Next CLT, other boards, and you look at yourself as an entrepreneur, a mentor, a father, what's one initiative on your whiteboard that wasn't there 30 days ago? One of the things that I have often, I wouldn't say overlooked, but I've not really put a lot of energy into was this notion of, you know, uh, you know, mentoring is often looked at as this, you know, uh, wise person handing down information to a younger or less experienced person. You know, the thing that I have come to realize, particularly in this journey of entrepreneurship is Men in particular, you know, we don't often have safe spaces to go and take our armor off or our masks off and to just be authentically who we are. Some of us, some of us can't do it at home. Some of us definitely can't do it in the work environment. 
And so for me, one of the things that that's on my whiteboard is really creating spaces or connection points for men to come together. And it can be men, two men, 10 men, but creating sustained spaces for men to come in just to be, just to take the armor off, take the masks off, uh, because we're all carrying something that something looks different depending on where we are in life and what, you know, what challenges we're, we're, we're facing. But for me, you know, the thing that's on my whiteboard is how can I connect more intentionally with men uh, in the in the next next 12 to 18 months? Reggie, I, I hear you and I feel you in that space. Um, as you think about that safe space, that authentic space, that ability to let your guard down and grow, thinking about that, that means you've evolved. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things as you keep evolving? Well, you know, I, I tend to view myself as a continuous learner, or, or I think the updated uh, description is infinite learner. You know, I pride myself on being a continuous learner, learning things that or, or ch- challenging myself to learn things that, that either don't come easy to me or, uh, or I may not understand fully or um or just simply it's something new that's on the radar and so you know i i, I you know i read constantly uh I, I you know i engage in different forms of uh, media whether it's podcasts or you know just online articles but you know i'm i'm just a i'm a constant learner right so i start my day with a, with at least you know 20 or 30 minutes of just I'm reading a couple pages in a book. Or I'm reading a couple pages in an in a, in a online article, or I'm, I'm listening to a podcast or something. But I try to start my day learning something, uh, and it could be you know something that's obscure that doesn't necessarily have to do with leading a business or leading a family or whatever the case may be. But I just try to I try to you know continuously challenge myself to learn things that maybe I did didn't fully understand or didn't know about. Mm. When you're learning and you have lessons learned, you know, even in that space and you continuously learn and challenge yourself to learn new things, what's been your biggest failure in the last year and why do you think that happened? Wow. Um, one of the things that I said coming out of the pandemic, as if the pandemic is over, but as the pandemic began to kind of reside and things, you know, our new sense of normal began to take hold, you know, the one thing that I said that I was going to maintain was this sense of the attention that I gave myself during the pandemic. You know, I was was eating well. I stayed active. Um, you know, I'm just mindful of how much of my how I was. I was mindful of my intake, whether that intake was negative energy or that intake was social media or that intake was, you know, the, the carbs that I was putting in my body. I was just aware of that intake. And, and, and Eric, what I've noticed is as you know life is taking on the, this new shape of normalcy i found i found myself sliding back into old habits and so you know so for me when i think about you know s- some of the things that 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 i you know a failure within the last year was it's really just kind of backsliding into habits that old habits are are new bad habits but you know needless to say they're you know they're, they're bad habits so that that would be one failure that that I would say for me is I, I want I, I I put a stake in the ground and said I'm gonna continue to you know be in tune with myself and not necessarily let the schedule dictate my my you know health habits. So that would be one that comes to mind. Yeah, 
you know, so old habits being new. How did you phrase that? Old habits being new. Or new bad habits. New bad habits. You are an award-winning author, and you have this uh, thing that's called Unfinished 40 Lessons on Purpose. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was that was my first book. And, you know, the notion of... So, so let me take a step back. One of the things that I realized is, as, you know, a, a professional... Uh, comma, professional male, comma, professional black male... Uh, in this city, I was, you know, first moved here, I was, you know, I was, I was being requested to come speak in, you know, different classrooms and, you know, different schools, different, different Title I school, low-income, low-performing schools. Um, and, you know, what I found was I was showing up in those sessions to speak to these young people as who I was today. I'm showing up in my suit and tie and you know, telling them how great my career has been and here's everything that I've done well. But what I realized that that wasn't really what they were interested in. They didn't really care who I was today. They they wanted to know how I got here. They wanted to know the journey and how I got here. Right. So once I, you know, would explain, you know, I grew up in a you know under-resourced, over-policed community in Detroit. And then I'm telling you, here, here I am. Here's how great they wanted to know. Fill in the gap for me. How did you get here? How did you? And so that was really what that first book, Unfinished, was all about. And so everything was in the title, right? So I'm not, I, I've not arrived. I'm unfinished. We're all unfinished. We're all a work in progress. And so what I had to then show up as, I'm just, you know, 10, 20 years ahead of you. I'm not necessarily. I'm not arrived. I'm not. I've not made it. We're, I'm still evolving. I just got a head start on you. So that's really where the, the title Unfinished came from. Wow. So how many books have you written? So, so I'm, I'm four books in. Uh, uh, the second book is really more of a, more of a, it's a, it's a book, but it's, it's a couple of extensions. So the second book was uh, A Year and Some Change, uh, Realizing Your Full uh, Potential Through Purpose and Perspective. So A Year and Some Change was this notion around, you know, uh, you know, many of us, and we're coming up on this this time of year where we'll set a we'll set a resolution, uh, and we you know we may have three or four things on that resolution list, and but we only give ourselves you know after four weeks if you if you fall off the wagon by February first, then you're going ah you know the heck with it, and so the notion there was you know and it's this double entendre in the title a year and some change, so it's a year take a year and some change or a little over a year pick one thing pick one area of your life that you're going to change on, uh, that you want to change or improve. And so, um, the, the idea is that let's not, let's not, you know, let's not take three things and, and give yourself four weeks. And many of our habits we've developed, depending on however old you are, how, how old you are, you know, you've developed those habits over a lifetime. So give yourself some time to, to, to find new habits and to replace those old bad habits with something new. And so the, the whole idea is to, you know, t- you know, a year and some change. Focus on one one area of your life to to change that that means something to you. That that's, that has nothing to do with outside forces, outside influences, but that really can help you become the best version of you. So that's what that was. And then the others were extensions of that. So I have a leader guide and, and a journal that all that all that all operates off of that same a year and some change book. So thanks for sharing that. A year and some change. I like that uh, fact that. 
it, it's a journey. And then showing up for the young people, those are actually really cool ways to think about it. As you go through as an entrepreneur yourself and working with other entrepreneurs, why is Next CLT important for BIPOC entrepreneurs in this city, county, the state, the country? Yeah, I think Next CLT is important for, for, for BIPOC entrepreneurs uh, because I, I see it as creating an ecosystem um, of collaborators, right? So if you think about the the list of entrepreneurs or the products and or services that they are either creating or selling or providing, even within that, even within the, the, the folks that have gone through the cohorts, you know, the amount of business that can be done with just with each other or the amount of information that can be shared with each other. Right. So, you know, with, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you can feel like you're out on the island and you're the only one doing it. But I think XCLT is important for BIPOC entrepreneurs because it's creating this ecosystem that now I can I can pick up the phone and call somebody who has an embroidery or printing firm and I can give them my business versus going to you know an online platform or whatever the case may be because we're all doing we're all spending uh, you know resources to build and scale our businesses uh, but creating that ecosystem for BIPOC entrepreneurs one it's a system of support but is but it but it's also a, a, an ecosystem of you know how do we expand our our, our social capital and but ultimately uh, you know the, the the breadth and width of and by which our customer bases are Reggie, you just shared something about social capital and you uh when you think about this and you think about this ecosystem what is something that you think that people in the entrepreneurial ecosystem should stop or start doing? I think knowing when to compete, but also knowing when to collaborate. Right? Even if you're in the same space, right? So knowing when to compete or knowing when to collaborate. So, you know, it's so, so stop thinking about it as a, as a means of scarcity where there's only so much business to go around. So I'm going to protect mine and, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to support or, you know, encourage you know, encourage somebody else to be successful. So I would say stop having a scarcity mindset, but start, you know, thinking about collaboration as a means of growth uh, versus competition. Hmm. Competing or collaboration. And so some people always think of it from the competing vantage point. You're saying collaboration is uh, an option that sometimes people don't even uh, pay attention to. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. As you think about that, and as I have that resonate in my mind, I want to ask you, what is one thing that your company did for a client that you didn't expect was going to happen? Wow, I can give you a recent example. Right? So we had a client, a, a, a fairly uh, high-profile nonprofit uh, in the city hired us to do some work uh, for them. Uh, but once we got in and started the project, I, I quickly realized that what they were asking for really wasn't what they were paying for really wasn't what they needed. And so, you know, I sat down with the CEO and said, hey, I, you know, I, there may be an opportunity to expand. You know, I'm not trying to run the price up on you, but you said you wanted this. But here are a couple of things that you guys really aren't seeing in the background that even if we gave you what you needed, you're still not going to be successful 
or it's not going to optimize what you you know the the process because there's a couple other things in the background that's prohibiting you from really achieving what it is that you set out to achieve. And so we we identified that you know actually worked with them in a collaboration, actually trained their staff on how to do what it is that we identified, and then we actually went ahead and fulfilled the the contractual obligation. But it was really identifying. Uh, ad- adding value beyond you know what the contractual obligation was, um, because again we could have solved the problem and we could have charged them again once they came called us and said hey you know we got more problems so we just we helped them identify the full a a a more robust and holistic solution and and train their team on how to solve it versus having to having to pay you know us as a third party consultant to do it. You know, that goes back to aligning with your values, right? And value system, and then that's uh, integrity, and then open and honest. As we wrap here, what's something you're passionate about that you have not yet added to your things to do? One of the areas that I know that we can build wealth as a community is really around the, the you know, real estate I'd say appreciating assets like like real estate or uh, you know multi multi unit multi unit um, facilities. One of the things that I want to do is I, I love the opportunity to either own you know either own a hotel or own a apartment. You know, it doesn't have to be a five hundred unit, but own a multi unit you know multi unit residential. Um, um, uh, building. So either on the commercial side with the hotel, but on the residential side with multi-units. So I'm not, you know, I, I do have a couple single family home properties that, that I own, but, you know, that's, that's a goal that I have of, you know, multi-unit on the commercial side or multi-unit on the residential side. Interesting. So that's on the business side. What's something that you say that you would look at that you would say, Hmm. I would enjoy doing outside of like building wealth. I mean, wealth is a great goal, etc. But what would something be on the fun side that you help you relax, or whatever that it may be? Um, you know, I would. I love to 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 really learn how to hit a golf ball really really straight. Uh, I've not mastered the art of that yet. Um, uh, but but you know, I, I I love being outdoors. Um, but I, I would really love to, and, you know, and, and because I I realized that golf is one of those sports that you get in what you put out. The the, the more you practice, the, the the more you play and practice, the better you get. And so, you know, I would really love to be able to master the the sport of golf. Okay. Okay. Reggie, as we tune it out, on the board, you've been a mentor to companies um, you've been a mentor to me in, uh, you know, just guiding and giving advice. Um, what is your next? Is, is that a personal, professional? Uh, give me, give me, give me context there. You can actually put it either way. I know in the last question I asked you, you know, personal, professional. I'll let you give me, give me one of both. I'd say my next personally, you know, my next personally is, you know, you mentioned building wealth. But I, but I also realized that my the, the best version of wealth is really health, and so in this season of my life, I, I want to get back. I want to get into the best shape that I've ever been in, 
And, you know, and, and that's coming off somebody who spent time in the military, who, uh, you know, former athlete. Like, I want to I want to get into the best shit. I want to get into a, a health a, a health space that I've never been in that will ultimately contribute to building whatever it is that I'm trying to build. Because, I'm, you know, I, I, I realize that managing my energy is is most important. So that would be my next is getting into the best shape that, I, that I've ever been. Um, but, but also from a, from a wealth standpoint is just, just to continue to build the business and expand into, expand into markets that, that, um, and, and expand into and disrupt markets that, that we've not, that we've not been in just yet. And so, you know, our aspirations is, you know, over the five years to have a, a nationwide, a nationwide company operating in, you know, 10 to 14 states, excuse me, cities across the country. And so that would be the that would be the next next for us. Reggie, thank you so very much for taking the time on a Friday to talk to us, share your knowledge and wisdom. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, thank you for spending time with Next CLT. Well, thank you, Eric, and and I'm super proud of what you guys are building, but more importantly, your leadership. So thank you for having me.